0: And welcome to another new episode of the Funkit Pod and Wrestling Wednesday. <laughs> it's wrestling time. Uh, it's been a week or so since I uploaded another podcast, or oh, like I've been missing a week. A week, not because I didn't miss you loyal audience or anyone who stumbles upon this small little wrestling channel here, but uh, I stepped on a sea urchin. I went on a quick, uh, quick trip here in Thailand. I went, on, I stepped on a sea urchin. Worst pain in my life. Uh, not at work, all shoot and. <laughs> Yeah, it just hurts so much and I, my, my, my foot is still swollen over a week later. Um, I, I couldn't walk for a while. I was on all the pain medicine uh, available in the hospital on that island. Uh, so that's why there was no podcast last week, but now all back. And what better, I know, time to come back to a wrestling podcast than, than AW's All Out, right? I mean, of course, it's the main focus of this podcast today. Next podcast, we're going to go into detail and dive deep into SmackDown again. If there's a WWE paper, this one as well. We're going to talk about Dynamite and Rampage. But this week, it has to be all out, right? So, I mean, Rampage and Dynamite did a great job, like, building up to all the stories, setting everything up, of course. Uh, we know what would happen Punk and Darby Allen, and all the things, Kenny Omega, Christian Cage, and so on. So, that was all well done. But then, eventually all out happened and man all out went like (laughs) all out and spoiler alert i don't know without cody rhodes like and if you watched or listened to my channel before you know that i'm not the biggest cody rhodes fan he's probably an awesome person and a fantastic ceo ceo whatever o um running that ship but like his in-ring stuff, is ju- it's just too WWE style, like it's too, too Hulk Hogan for me. Um, so I'm happy that AEW does well and that we don't see the typical Cody matches uh, right now. So let's just jump into it and let's see what was good, what was bad. And what could they have, should they have done? Should they have done something different? Was it all perfect? Was it all five star, six star matches? Did Dave Meltzer come three times at least, I think. Let's, let's start. Let's talk about it. So, in the beginning, we had the best friends and Jurassic Express teaming up. Jurassic Express just having lost the opportunity to face the Young Bucks for the World Championship title later on the road versus the Hardy family office. There was a nice, I don't want to say kickoff, it's the other brand. It was a nice start um, to the whole event, I think. I was like lots of people involved, lots of people that the audience likes. Orange Cassidy of course, you you like the the audience is really connected to him. Um but all of the best friends are, are like, I mean, Vila Jutta is doing, like, awesome. Like, his stuff he's doing is great. He's going to work on his personality eventually. Um, and the Hardy family office is really easy to despise. So, great job by Matt Hardy, TH2. Um, Jack Evans is fantastic as a heel. Um, of course, same of course for Angelico. Both of them are still super underrated in my um, in my opinion, loved both of them in Lucha Underground, so they're fantastic. I, I hope they can get better storylines down the road as well. But for what it was, it was great. Like so, in this podcast, for the ones that are new, uh, I'm not gonna just recap what happened because there are 5,000 million gazillion out there. I'm gonna try to focus on like, does the storytelling make sense, right? Because that's kind of my background. So storytelling-wise, it's a okay. I say it, it's a kickoff match and. <laughs> And, I mean, there's not that much storytelling involved. It's like, just throw them together. They all hate each other, of course. And the Hardy family office targeted um, Orange Cassidy before, so it makes sense that they, that they um, bonding with Jurassic Express has also been a target of the Hardy fa- um, family office before. Um, now that Jurassic Express didn't face the Young Bucks, they needed something to do. They're the good guys. They help Orange Cassidy and the best friends. So it kind of makes sense. The storytelling within the match was also kind of Nice. First, the best friends, like starting things off. Quite cool. Then, of course, high family office with shenanigans, like numbers and so on. Of course, not obeying to all the rules. They're getting the upper hand um, here and there. Makes sense. They have of the blade with them, the hired gun basically, uh, which is also a cool storyline, kind of like the the blade. Like he's not there because he likes Matt Hardy. He's there because Matt Hardy pays him. So what happens once Matt Hardy doesn't pay him anymore if someone else pays him more? So there's, I like that even in this. And I mean, maybe I'm I'm too much exposed to WWE. Like like this low low card feud um, there are layers to this this is really nice like the blade is gonna turn at one point on Madhari that was my cat in the background falling from <laughs> falling from uh, my desk Your case okay, snooze yeah okay cool um, and let's just take it away uh, at the end like after um, the best friends won then, they, of course, the Hardy family always beats down um, the rest of the uh, like best friends that are still there. Jurassic experiment left already. Um, so they're down the best friends. And out comes the butcher. The butcher is back after six, seven, eight months. I don't know. The butcher is back. Now the butcher and the blade reunited, working for uh, Matt Hardy. How long, though? That's going to be very interesting because, again, they're just hired guns. So I like this, um, the storytelling possibility here, the story arc, the possible story arc uh, that is there, I like. Um, yeah, that, I like it. Um, can't say much more. Uh, like, the match was fine. Orange Cassidy does, like, his hands-in-the-pocket stuff and so on. It's still funny. It's still cool. Um yeah. And then um, once actually then the Butcher and the Blade and, the, the, and Hardy and THQ and so on, um, they're beating down the best friends. Then actually like the, lots of people from the, the locker room came, like John Silver was there. And um, I know basically all the good guys that are still in the back were, and that weren't involved anywhere else were there to uh, fight off the Hardy family office. Uh, so that was a yeah, nice, good start. I'm intrigued to see where this Hardy thing goes. I'm, I'm assuming a few more weeks of those shenanigans with like the Hardy family office, the butcher and the plate, and somebody eventually. I'm guessing the butcher and the plate will going fight. Um, I know, either with TH2 or let let's see who, who else they can pick a fight with in, in the Hardy section. Then we started things off with like a brutal match, of course, Miro and TNT Championship. versus... Eddie Kingston and that was a that was a good match again I, I, uh, I'd say it bits a bit, a bit sl- not slowish but like it's it's not a, not a high-flying match, right? So, I mean, but we, it's Miro and Eddie Kingston. So, of course, um, Eddie Kingston has lots of um, smart offense at the beginning, targeting the neck of Miro because that's what he identified as his weak spot, right? That's what he announced on Rampage as well. Like, that's your weak spot, I know, and I'm going to capitalize on it. And so he targets the neck over and over and over again. Very smart Good storytelling there. Miro then, in return, uh, targets the back, of course, because that's like uh, part of his finishing maneuver. The actual, the game over. <laughs> and so I like that both of them are very cerebral in their approaches. So Eddie Kingston goes for the neck over and over again, uh, hits the stunner and whatnot. Fisherman see it, um, yeah, throws out a fisherman suplex, holds on and so on. So that was really good. Big Back and lots of back and forth. Um, eventually, Miro has to even uh, resort to tactics that are not that legal. I'm not sure if the Redeemer is a fan of this. Uh, with a kick to the balls of Eddie Kingston. And then eventually, he, he lands his signature maneuver and uh, pins Eddie Kingston. But up until this point, it made complete sense. They were both very cerebral, looking to, like... I know it fits their personas, right? Miro, the the composed, I'm kill everything, the Redeemer. Eddie Kingston, also the, I say it again, the cerebral assassin. (laughs) Sorry. Like, you know, very measured in his approach, while still very emotional, but like very tactical still, like focusing on the neck and so on. Made sense. Great match. Lots of, lots of few really intense near falls where you could think, oh, he's got it. Even though it was clear. Kinda of, that Miro needs to keep the title to give to make this Redeemer image like actually work. Um, but still the story that they told in the ring was like okay, maybe Eddie Kings can pull it off, maybe they call ah, oh, so close. So fantastic, great, well done. Um yeah, second match, second second thumbs up, that was awesome. Um then a match that probably half of the audience liked, the other half hated it. Uh, John! can do it like just Justin Roberts right Moxley versus Satoshi uh, Kojima and it's just gonna be like a hard-hitting Japanese strong style match and Moxley likes this of course and Moxley's not a high flyer never been Dean Ambrose froze, uh, flew a little bit, but John Moxley doesn't fly from the top row or anything like this or does any crazy stuff. He's brawling. He comes through the crowd to wild thing, um, which is also a pretty cool entrance, um, and just and it goes hard, hitting stiff shots, and Moxley and Kojima just trading stiff shot after stiff shot after stiff shot, and it makes sense also. Um was like if you like strong slam matches that's your match right if you're more like a young bucks kind of match kind of guy you're not a big fan of this I believe but for what it was and what it was to be expected it was perfect and Moxley is the guy who takes on those Japanese legends right he has done before he does it again even had to do it like after the match again so he will do it again this this coming week so This makes sense too, because Moxley is the guy that's beating the the Japanese star. So then the next Japanese star is like, "Hey, whoa, wait! I'm gonna show you. Let's see who's gonna be the one Japanese superstar. Who's gonna beat John Moxley? Is the rainmaker coming? Forbidden Door. Let's see. Let's see about this. But um, so Moxley, Kojima. (laughs) <laughs> stiff back and forth like, as I said that makes sense both characters make sense in this regard. they both had matches like this it's like the brawler versus the Japanese strong style Moxie pulled it off of course and in the end and then what happened then <laughs> Minoru Suzuki happened then even if you don't if you're not familiar with like Japanese wrestling per se you probably heard the name Minoru Suzuki before and I mean, he comes out with this, this, this sick smile on his face, Like, he's the Mo- John Moxley in, of Japan, right? Because with the sick smile on his face, like, yeah, it's, it's going get, to get, get bloody here. Let's go. And they just elbow to each other, elbow, elbow, and hitting, like, stuff to each other. And then in the end, Suzuki with a gotch pile driver to Moxley, like, lays him out. And then later down the road, Moxley cut a promo from like, a dark back alley, of course. Um, and it's like, hey, this Wednesday, Suzuki suzuki-san and it was awesome like before they hit each other moxley was like kind of like bowing to suzuki and then just hit him in the face uh, and also after he beat kojima like kojima out uh, flat in the ring and then moxley also bowing to him saying thanks so it's nice that the brawler john moxley still like has this martial arts wrestling mindset there which is really nice so um yeah make complete sense again for from a storytelling point of view persona point of view all for it. Uh, well done. Enjoyed it. Um, good job, uh, AW. And then I had a women's championship match between Dr. Britt Baker. I know you said it. DMD versus Chris Stadlander, the alien. And yes, I agree with the crowd. Usually I'm not one that, that throws out this is awesome too easily or too soon in a, in a pay-per-view. But this was awesome. They it started a bit slow, but then once it picked up, they threw everything at each other. And oh my God, Chris Stadlander is amazing. So is Britt Breaker. We know Britt Breaker is amazing, but Chris Stadlander really came out to play here. She showed showed out fantastic. Like Chris and Staland played like the role of the the strong like that's her, her strength is her strength is strength um so she powered through a few things like put had brit Baker on top of her uh she even uh, had a chance to hit her hit her finishing maneuver it was it just made sense again so i'm going to say this a lot today because it's just the overall the overall theme of of the event today it made sense, and I like again that that the, In this case, the, the two uh, ladies, but also before the, the guys, like they stick to their personas, what is expected of them, and they don't let this big audience get to them because it's easy, like, to, to think, like Oh my god, there are now so many people watching and in, in the United Center and so on. I'm going to, have to do something crazy, but if your persona doesn't fit that, then you're not doing this. And here again, Britt Baker, Chris Stadlander. Like stuck to the to the guns and uh, to the rolls, like with, but luckily the rolls are like crazy wrestling machines. Um, so like Stadler went for the Big Bang Theory, but then um, Britt Baker was able to to uh, avoid it, um, and then vice versa the lockjaw. But Chris Stadler was was moving out of the way or like found found a way out of it, and so on. Eventually Britt Baker had to hit. All her finishing maneuvers, like all of them that she has in, in in a repertoire, and then was able to actually um hit a or lock in the lock jar, um and then christler passed out, i think because she didn't tap, but the ref called it off. This was fantastic though so if they would have had more time was would have probably been the best women's match ever in a w so far um was a like the finish was a bit not fast, but like it was like bam, 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 and then that, that's it. Um, it was the only thing that 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 I would criticize if I ha- had to find finally criticize. Uh, also from a storytelling point of view, now like Chris Adlendo like put up a real tough fight and like it was really. Able to kick out of everything, finding counters, but then Britt Baker, Britt Baker was able to hit like three basically finishing maneuvers in a row on her, and then that was it. But it's just because they had so much impact that she was able to do this, of course. So um, nothing much to criticize. Really, it was it was fantastic. And like heads up, like Britt Baker, uh, Chris Stadlander. I wouldn't be mad if I, if you would see this match like a thousand more times between those two. Cause this was fantastic. This was really good. Um, yeah, I think one of my favorite women's matches ever. At least yeah, this year for sure, but like maybe even on a grand scale of things. I have to watch it one more time, but this was really good. Um, yeah, like I said, also storytelling-wise, it, it, it just made sense. Um, then, my favorite match of the, of, of the night. What an entrance Holy smokes. AEW Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks, the champions. This is the Lucha Brothers. And I mean, I assume you all watched it. Like, oh. This entrance by the Lucha Brothers. Insanity. Like live rap concert kind of style. Like big fight feel. With like dancers that show like sero Medo. Like a rap written for them like of course in Spanish most of the time but the chorus in English so that the audience can can uh, sing along smart um, great like the lyrics make sense great great chorus then everyone um, oh, goes like oh, Fantastic. Uh, Panda and Phoenix come out with like this the war you know, heads gear and so on like it's kind it felt like almost like triple mania and uh, so fantastic great job for them to bring this to aw and to make it work and the audience went bananas for them everyone was into this it. it's not like when Sin Cara came to wwe like what is that it was like no fully embraced the audience went nuts for phoenix and penta everyone was going like Sero and like chance of lucha brothers lucha brothers out there amazing like I was seeing there smiling while I was watching it. This is fantastic. Lucha Brothers, my God. Then the Young Bucks come out, of course, do the heel stuff. Okay, they try to run away right away because they're heel, heelish cowards. call us on commentary is fantastic. Just adds to the storytelling because he just, he's a good commentator and he was really good. Like, I, I think I, I started knowing more of him back then in New Japan when he was like doing commentary like all the time. Um, but now that he's on commentary when his guys are wrestling, it's just fantastic, right? So first, he's very good at calling the action and at like, explaining things, also in an unbiased way. But then he always adds like, a little bit of bias to it. Like He gives compliments to the Lucha Brothers, like this was fantastic, but also uncalled for. Or like, oh, of course the Lucha Brothers are using the cage to their advantage, uh, even though it's of course f- fully allowed in, in such a setting, right? So don't call great fantastic he's like the the, the Paul Heyman of uh, AW if, if you want to have some com- comparison there I guess um still they're completely different then the match itself I mean I'm not I said I'm not going to review the matches per se but what an insane match if you don't like spots don't watch it but first I mean it was a spot fest of course like it's the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks it's like of course there has to be like super kick parties all the time. Flips, flops, jumps. But so well-timed. It's insane. I was sitting there, smiling, like I said, like a, like a, like a kid in a candy store. Like That's what I want from wrestling. Because that's shit I cannot do. I can throw a back kick. I can... Uh, I can... Fight a Muay I fight. If I, wa- I mean, yeah, I did. So I can. Um, so you know what I mean? So I, I can do stuff like this where I'm like, okay, it's cool to see, but I can throw a spinning back kick. I can throw a jumping wheel kick. Whatever. Yeah, I can do those things. This, I definitely cannot. And this is why it leaves me so in awe. If other people have different opinions that's fine but let's explain like where my fascination with this comes from just because it's it's so well timed so well placed so well paced this just leaves me like you know it's fantastic um all right so back and forth and back and forth and back and forth of course like like crazy with all kinds of different maneuvers and um, tag maneuvers of of course like partner maneuvers involved throwing each other through the air and then they're one upping each other all the time this fantastic storytelling as well like close to the end um, we have like the older brothers on each side having the younger brothers like and so, I have a show like what, what a maneuver, like I think a package pile driver on on the apron, both of them like simultaneously, and then the older Bros roll into the ring and like face each other off. It's just fantastic. Um, then, of course, young pucks try to cheat, so the, um, they get like uh Nick, Nick Jackson's, Matt Jackson, or one of the Jackson's uh shoes from the outside. It's, it's like had like um some tags on the bottom, so he puts it on and it just. Arash's Penta with it, so Penta's face all bleeding and so on, but then in the end, of course, it's Phoenix who gets the shoe and then hits the, the, the Young Bucks with the shoe as well, so that they're also hurt. They're not bleeding that much, though. Uh, maybe Phoenix was a bit too too uh, careful with, like, hitting them with the shoe. But it's just like this the story then comes around again. So the Young Bucks trying to cheat but then the cheating bites them in the ass and like all those things is just, just perfect again. And like all the times like before that the Young Bucks were able to get like Don Callis involved, Brendan Cutler and and I don't know, the Good Brothers and so on and now they're on their own and they're still fantastic team, right? It's like still like I mean, dominating at parts, but then get dominated, but then they're kicking out again at a, of those near thoughts. And you think, oh my God, what's happening? And then eventually the Young Bucks are taking over and you think, oh no, now it's gone. And he has the shoe on, right? It's about to kick Phoenix with like the, the, the spiked shoe in the face. And before he can do it, Panda. Like uh, kind of like rolls, crawls in front of Phoenix. Like no, no, Don't hit my little brother! And then Matt checks Nick. Checks like oh, whatever, and he hits uh, Panther in the face with the spiked shoe. And the crowd, the crowd goes like, oh! and you can actually feel the crowds going like a bit, a bit quiet. It's like shit. Like because now there's so much blood involved and so much violence. So it started as a spot fest now all of a sudden it's like a brawl, it's like brutal, it's like blood and stuff and it gets really intense so it's not just your typical Young Bucks match, it's like oh my god it's real, kind of like this is like a real match now, right? And then they're close to finishing them of course, they're going for like uh, what's it called, too much buck for your bang, uh, two bangs for your buck, whatever it's called, and uh, they're kicking out just in time, the Lucha Brothers, right? then they try to go for the BTE trigger, but moving out of your way just in time. Oh my God. And then eventually the Lucha Brothers can fight back the mass, completely destroyed because the Young Bucks try to rip their masks off early, of course, to humiliate them, storytelling again. Um, and they somehow persevere and then are able to hit like a finishing maneuver on Matt Jackson, I think, or Nick Jack, whoever, and then Penta goes for the cover. Phoenix grabs the other Jackson to hold him back, and you've got new champions. And Fantastic! It was a that was storytelling and match planning at its best. Like, I cannot emphasize how much I enjoyed this, and then also in the end, breaking KFAB, K-fab a little bit like uh, Penta El Cero Miedo points to his family and then his kids quickly jump to the, the guard where he hugs his kids uh, probably just to say like girls I'm okay I bleed a lot right now but I'm okay so he just kisses them hugs them holds on the tile. they go up the ramp they both hold the tile. they bow it's like like um, Lucha Lucha style again fantastic yeah. I hope they keep the titles for a long 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 time because this match was amazing and not just because of Lucha Brothers also because of how the Young Bucks healed it up and how they sold and how they put them over, of course. So props to the Young Bucks, props to Don Callis on commentary, and props to the Lucha Brothers. That was fantastic. And this is a a triple plus. If Dave Meltzer doesn't give it eight stars, you block Dave Meltzer. Um, (laughs) He gets the Meltzer driver. This was the best match I have seen in forever. Like and I'm not maybe I'm exaggerating maybe it's recency bias but it was fantastic. I'm gonna watch it again. So this was so good. Uh, this is there was like this one guy in the crowd and they, they had like his his sign and says like this is why I love wrestling. Yes. This is why we love wrestling. It was fantastic. Storytelling, in-ring, don't carry us out of the ring, pacing, timing, also part of telling the story, right? Um, Flop, from from like the the flop stuff, spot stuff, to then the brawl, the blood, and then perseverance, the text. Oh, fantastic. (sighs) Awesome. Also good that after this they had the Casino Battle Royal because every other match that would have come afterwards would have suffered the audience was probably tired like you see like this awesome match you pop like crazy like, if they would have just sent cm punk out afterwards you're like it might have felt you might have not have the power to to go nuts again so the casino battle royal take it back and back a notch sit there watch 30 minutes of the girls going at it cool yeah it's still fun to watch but you don't have to go as bonkers as an audience so good timing there as well from aw um, but also, even even this cool-down spot, so to speak, had his, like, of course, surprise ends on. The biggest surprise being the wild card. Who got the wild card? It's Ruby Soho. Yes, formerly Ruby Ride, released by WWE, who God knows why WWE is releasing all the good wrestlers. Um, so now Ruby Soho in AW is All Elite. And, well, of, kind of, a, of course, she wins it at the end. Um, her and... Who else was it? Was it Thunder Rosa? I think her and Thunder Rosa the last two in the in, in the ring. They eliminated um, Nyla Rose before Nyla Rose draw boos like no one else on the women's roster, <laughs> and I mean she's she's sticking to it. She's like living up to it. She's like, come on, give it to me. So yeah, I mean I also don't really necessarily enjoy all of her matches. And yeah, she does. Uh, she botches like here and there. But at least I think she's self-aware enough to realize that and go like, like, okay, boomy people. And so they eliminated her and it was just a nice one-on-one between Ruby Soho and uh, Thunder Rosa and uh, Ruby Sword and pulled it off. It had a few botches in there, here and there, uh, but nothing too damaging, I believe. It was uh, the, the nice story of kind of like redemption and... Like, coming in hard. And she was clearly, once she was in there and the audience saw her, she was the audience favorite because apparently she's a local tel- from from the area as well so they were all chanting ruby so ruby so and then giving her that win i mean she's an established star it's not like she's a nobody right so giving her the win yeah i can hear people saying oh you could just give it to the wwe star nah but it makes sense she's been an established indie star before people know her she's got the hometown advantage there um, make the people happy and she's an established star who can take on uh, Britt baker that's totally fine so no no problem with this um that was that was that was uh, also well done. Then, hmm, the one, the one match where I have to like take out my storytelling handbook and say, or like note, note down, yeah, needs to improve. So it was MJF versus Chris Jericho. First, MJF comes out and like fire, like a not fireworks but like a quick, like quick fire, like quick firework like kind of burst like you think it's Jericho and like in the Jericho colors like kind of this bluish and people are like yeah it's Jericho but then it says on the screen Chris Jericho's last match and out comes MJF of course so fantastic uh, this this fits the character of MJF storytelling wise again fantastic uh, he comes out in like a king's rope. Um, he tells uh, he tells Aubrey Edwards the referee to take off his ring, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, whatever." Um, goes and he falls on his knees in the middle of the ring. He's like, "Yes, I'm gonna end Chris Jericho." Like MTF is the super heel, and it's fantastic at it, and he's just better than anyone at it, and you know it. Then out comes Chris Jericho, and little, no. so he comes out with like the, the his guitarist. Uh, from Fosse plays them out live cool but the guitar was too loud so because he only played the guitar so and the audience sings and it probably sounded amazing live but on TV on the stream you only hear the guitar you basically don't hear anyone singing so this was not well done they should have have checked this before something went wrong there with like the 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 sound input into the stream i believe so that was not that great unfortunately because i would have loved to sing with it sing along with it at home as well and get into the the spirit you can see the people in the audience like going crazy singing you just didn't hear it um, and then it starts off quite you now, not quite slow, but I mean, methodical. Let, let's call it methodical. Um, they're both just going at, at each other's weakness, I guess. Uh, if you want to say it like this, MJF tries to go for the arm all the time, of course, because his finishing maneuver is a salt of the earth, plus he damaged the arm before Jericho. Uh, pulls out like a lion's Um Then he tries to get MJF in 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 the walls. It's like lots of like... It's, it's a very back and forth thing. It spills out of the ring, back into the ring, out of the ring. And like Jericho sells the importance of the match very well. So does MJF, of course. So it's nothing super fancy, but it's very intense. And so with every move, you're like, what is, does this lead to another... Ah, so... Well done there, so they're selling the intensity very well. Um, yeah, so it all then comes down to Audrey Edwards being distracted, and then and uh, Wardlow comes up, but then Jack Hager fights off Wardlow and so they fighting, and then Audrey Edwards, Edwards is distracted looking out and two other referees trying to, to get them apart, and then MTF is, is actually using a Floyd. Chris Jericho's baseball bat to hit Jericho while Aubrey Edwards isn't watching. And JR's best line, oh by the way, JR, ah God, was uh, part of the the tag team match, so that was nice to hear. But here JR's best line was like, "Did did Floyd turn on Chris Jericho?" <laughs> awesome. Um, so then he so hits him with Floyd, then he hits like the Truda's effect on Chris Jericho, and he pins him one two three, and that's it. But Not really, because on two, Jericho gets his foot on the ropes. Audrey Abbott didn't see it because he was looking at the shoulders. So she called the three counts as MJF1. But the other referee who tried to separate Wardlow and Jack Hager said, no, no, wait, I saw it. I saw it. Foot on the rope. And so the match continues, gets restarted. Um, Then quick roll-up attempt by both of of them. Uh, None of them is successful. Eventually then uh, Chris Jericho Locks in the walls of Jericho, line tamer, whatever you're gonna call it now, and ignores the walls. It's not like the line tamer is like more. St- set up. So it's a wall. So he lock, locks in the walls of Jericho. Um, MJF almost reaches the rope. He pulls him back into the center of the ring and MJF had to tap out. Okay, so first of all, yes, good Chris Jericho. I mean, so the stipulation, right? If Jericho loses, he's not gonna uh, wrestle for AW anymore. There was just too much of a stipulation because, you know, you would assume that he's not hanging out like this, right? I mean, yeah, he wants to put MJF over, but I think he wants to do, like, one more, like, a bigger scale, more at stake in a main event. This is what I would assume. So I w- I was pretty sure that uh, Jericho would win here. Secondly, then, this false finish, kind of real finish, was just, I don't know, a bit antic- anticlimactic because the foot was on the rope so clearly, like, on two. on a, like So Audrey Edwards had, like, a whole second, and it doesn't sound much, but, like, you know, bit when the arm goes down and the referee always looks up like this. So she had to see, it It was not like, like in the nick of time, it was like, the foot's been there for like 10 minutes, like basically, right? So, nah, and then the actual finish, like roll up, roll up, okay, but then a pretty easy submission once again, but similar to like the submission before that MGF hit on Jericho with like the Soul of the earth, like a pretty easy-ish submission. Um, So yeah. They st- did stick to their characters as well, um, with Floyd turning. That was like one of the big surprises. Um, but yeah, overall, a good match. The storytelling also still made sense. However, now I wonder, where does the story go? Right? Because MJF beat Jericho three times. Now Jericho won once. Okay, with the pinnacle, he won twice. Okay. Um, so what's next? Like, is not MJF going to say, hey, Jericho, you beat me this one time. I beat you three times before. Um, we're not done yet. Like, is this going to go on forever? Doesn't MJF have to move on eventually? Doesn't Jericho have to move on eventually? Hmm. I'm curious to see where this goes. This could go either, like, really cool or, like, oh, again, those two. So let, let's, let's see how they, how they play that. Then eventually CM Punk versus Darby Allen and Darby Allen with the cinematic entrance again with Sting there. He's sitting in the corner all cool and composed, just like basically like in the zone CM Punk comes out soaks in everything like yeah I'm back Uh, also like fits the the happy character CM Punk was portraying like the whole time I still think he's gonna turn rather soon but he's like yeah yeah here I am cool cool Darby (laughs) Allen not faced by anything just staring a hole through Punk basically and then they start a really methodical match in the beginning like lots of reversals hip tosses and all those things Uh, Punk kind of like getting back into the groove of things of course Punk is much bigger than Darby Allen. I always thought Punk is small, but he's much bigger than Darby Allen. How small is Darby Allen? Yeah, lots of shoulder tackles and stuff like this, Um, methodical stuff. It took a while until it really took off, but then all the stops were pulled, like Darby Allen jumping from everywhere. Topes Suicida is too bad, Mauro Ronaldo isn't commentating AW. Topes Suicida! punk is hitting like some flying knees and like his this step up um step they call it a step up leg lariat i think um isn't it a step up enziguri actually i don't know um so punk is flexible for uh, way more flexible than i thought he was um so he's fit like he's done his, his step up knees a few times has a TTS even, but Darby Allen rolls out of the, out of the ring. Eventually, then uh, back and forth, and Darby Allen with the finishing maneuvers, but then Punk picks him up again. Darby Allen fights out again. Um, then Darby Allen finishing maneuver, Punk fights out, coffin drop. Punk just sits up like the Undertaker and laughs like the Undertaker back then at WrestleMania, like with Brock Lesnar. <laughs> That's a nice throwback there. I'm sure Undertaker appreciated that when he saw that, or Brock Lesnar I liked that too. Um, he's like, yeah, I'm smart. And then eventually again a quick back and forth, but then Punk has Darby Allen on his shoulder, hits a like TGS, and then that's it. Uh that was cool. Like the last 10, 15, like the last 10 minutes were good. The first five, bit slow, but they just need to figure things out, I guess. Last 10 minutes were really good. And again, like Darby Allen, the character that just can't be put away until you really put him away. Um CM Punk still needs to find his new character, I guess, but um, just right now the guy who's happy to be back and just testing himself fits uh, as well, no outer interference, also nice. Uh, Darby Allen was like holding on to ropes for like a brief second in between and Punk was stomping on his back, so it's not all super clean babyface, but that's just a veteran move, I guess. Uh, Overall, it was fun. Not much of a story. To be totally, besides, Punk wanted to challenge like someone he thinks he likes and he's impressed with, and to see if he still got it. He still got it. So um, then afterwards, Sting comes out, shakes his hand, then Punk shakes his hand uh, of Sting and of Darby Allen, and then that's how we go uh, into the next match. The next match, then Paul by with QT Marshall, yeah there was the squash it was just to like give the audience room to breathe but you need something like this of course um, Paul White of course defeats QT Marshall after QT Marshall Stooges try to get involved choke slam, and then yeah this is Paul White winning all right so then we had the AW World Championship can you make it with Christian Cage and who it's getting exhausting. It was a great match again, with like table involved, and so on. And Christian Cage, man, I mean that Kenny Omega is crazy and, and can go like this. We know that he does that, but Christian Cage really held his held his own there with like all those crazy, in, uh, insane moves that Kenny Omega is pushing all the time. Was again. Typical like back and forth, baby face, heel back and forth, and of course, Kenny Omega has like help uh, on the side of call with Don callis, Don callis then of course, eventually distracting the referee, and then the good Brothers getting involved and uh, but then they hold Christian Cage like on the ropes and V trigger, but Christian Cage moves out of the way and V triggers uh, one of the good brothers. So then he's fighting back, and he, he hits, like, his finishing maneuver on Kenny. Kenny kicks out at two and uh, three quarters, uh, and then they go both try, uh, first Christian Cage tries to hit his, like, his finishing maneuver from the top rope, but Kenny fights out, puts Christian Cage on his shoulders, and hits the one-winged angel from the freaking, isn't a top rope? I think it was a top rope. or the second rope, top rope. One-winged angel from there, and dads it but it was a fantastic match again like a great match um here all the story of like christian like outwork everyone like just working hard hanging in there coming back from everything like the hard working guy kenny omega just a guy that always has to one-up it who's getting frustrated but knows he has to like pull the v-trigger and uses everything at his disposal like don callis for example to get the job done also made sense again story well told then about to cut the promo then all of a sudden light goes out and they're beating down a jungle boy and christian and so on and everyone's like okay that's that's now brian danielson and then out comes adam cole baby so it's not brian danielson it's so like okay but you still have because it's adam cole baby so adam cole Baby goes to the ring, and that's like the Adam Cole baby thing, and the whole crowd chants Adam Cole baby, of course. And everyone's like, "Okay, now he's gonna beat down Kenny Omega." Kenny Omega's like, "Oh no, no, no!" And then he super kicks Jungle Boy, and like, what? And then they all turn, laugh, they hug each other. The, the young bucks give him a give him a kiss on the cheek. That's what they do. And Kenny Omega's like, Haha, "Chicago, that's what I do. He's my best one of my best friends. Come on, tell him Adam." And then Adam Cole's like. All uh, the elite is now the biggest, baddest faction in the universe. No one can beat us ever, right? And yeah, Kenny is like, Yeah, and it's the only thing that's left to do is now send the crowd home happy. It's good night, and and then quickly light goes out. You hear the soft Valkyrie whatever that's called, I don't know, I know in German. Um, and then out comes in a with a. Hip hop beat underneath it. <laughs> Brian Danielson. Within a minute of Adam Cole, Brian Danielson debuts. So it's like, oh <laughs> oh, my god. Crowd goes crazy with yes chance, of course. He doesn't even do it like this. He just jumps to the ring. He's just all smiles. But the crowd goes like, yes, 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 yes. He helps up Jungle Boy and so on, and then he helps to fight off um, the Good Brothers and the Elite. And in the end, it's uh, Jungle Boy, Christian Cage, uh, Daniel Bryan, and so on. Standing in the ring, Uh, Bryan Danielson. I'm sorry. I'll get used to it. Uh, Oh, my God. Like, so many things. Sending the crowd home happy. Yes, definitely. Check. Well done. Good, well-told story. Two amazing debuts at the end, at the very end. Like, still... People expected Brian Danielson, but still, like, you see it at the end and you're like, okay, Adam Cole, cool too. And then you add one more, it's like, it's insanity. So this pay-per-view was well-structured, well-planned. Uh, while I'm not the biggest fan of the Paul White fight, obviously, um, it was still necessary to give the crowd something time to breathe. Same with um, the the battle royal in between, and it was fun seeing Ruby Soho debut there. So this was just a fantastic pay per view. Was I would and again maybe recently buys and ask me again tomorrow, but I would say best pay per view of the year so far. This was spectacular. Fantastic. And if Dave Meltzer gives us anything less than 25.7 stars, you can't take him serious anymore. What did you think about it? How did you like the stories that have been told in there? Or did you like the matches per, uh, them, themselves? What, what about the, the debuts of Suzuki, of Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson? CM Punk's first match back after seven years. What do you think? And... All of that, and I still think the Lucha Brothers stole the show. Fantastic. I'm going to watch this one more time. Let me know what you think. Shout out in the comments on social media, at FunkitPod, email funkitpod at gmail.com. Like, share, subscribe, follow. And please also rate it if you like it. If you don't like it, don't rate it. If you like it, please rate it on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to it. This. this really helps uh, other people to find it too. And uh, I would really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Don't forget to always kick out at two. And oh my God, I'm tired. Stay safe. Take care. And I'll see you and talk to you soon. Saudi Cup.